Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team, for that great time of worship this morning. I'm excited for our time together today as we have been singing to the Lord in song of praise and worship, and now as we continue in worship by looking at the Word of God here this morning. Uh, For those of you that maybe are guests or uh, have not had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here, and I welcome you. Uh, For those of you in here, and then also those of you that are joining us today online, we are so thankful uh, that you would be here with us on this Resurrection Sunday. Uh, As part of our worship continues now, as through the Word of God being proclaimed, uh, we also do have our time where we uh, collect those tithes and offerings, and uh, for the Annie Armstrong offering, for our regular tithe offering, and uh, you can do that as you depart today, uh, or if you want to give online, you can at homesavenue.com forward slash give. Now that the business is out of the way, let's get to the point of today. He is risen. Amen? Amen. He is risen. I'm pumped for today. I'm pumped. It's my favorite day of the year. This is the, uh, the, the this whole week leading up to this day has just been so perfect. Um, and I just have to mention, just starting from last Sunday, and uh, Brian's going to probably cry today, so you just have to get over it. Um, but from Palm Sunday last Sunday with Pastor Walter delivering a phenomenal message, the tears of mercy of our Savior, and just all that was just com- composited in that. It was so powerful looking ahead to Holy Week. And you know, Holy Week began there on Palm Sunday, and we, we started going throughout the week, journeying through our Holy Week videos. And I just have to say a quick aside. Thank you, our brother pastors in this part circle area that took of your time to devote to doing those Holy Week videos for us. If you did not have an opportunity, just because today's Easter does not mean that you can't go back and watch them. They're on our Facebook page or on the website. Just take the time to go and watch and reflect upon everything that Jesus did in his last week leading to the cross and ultimately his resurrection. It was a powerful time of being able to reflect. And then as Pastor Walter said, Good Friday. Man, what a gathering. It was a wonderful, wonderful time. And as we reflected on Jesus' last seven sayings on the cross before dying. And now here today, we are gathered, we are assembled to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ his defeat of sin and death, the entire reason of why we gather weekly for worship, the entire reason of why the church of Christ being formed, as we just sang about, all hinges upon Good Friday and Jesus defeating sin and death and resurrecting from the grave. Our God is the only God who can say that he is still alive. Because every other little G God that has had any kind of religion or any kind of following, they all have the same thing that each of us will have on our tombstone, and that is a date of death. Yet Jesus Christ, even though Satan thought that he had won the day and that Jesus would be defeated, and they thought they had the marker set, there is no ending date for Jesus Christ because he's defeated the grave. He is resurrected from it, and he's ascended at the right hand of the Father in heaven until the day when he returns. And so today for us here on April 4th, 2021, on this Easter Sunday, I pray that today is not just a day for us to be all nice and dressed up. I pray that today is not just a day for us to check our box to say, I went to church on Easter. I pray that today would be a day for each and every one of us to understand, just as the sermon is is titled, the hope of the resurrection. Because of Jesus defeating the grave, every person who would repent and believe, repent of their sins and confess Christ Jesus as Lord, they have the hope 
of everlasting eternal life with Christ Jesus our Lord because of his precious blood that was poured out for us. I'm reminded of the promise of God in the Garden of Eden way back at the beginning of Genesis. In chapter three, as the Proto-Evangelium, the first good news of the gospel is proclaimed in Genesis 3.15, which reads, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. God comes to Adam and Eve there in the garden and Satan is there in the form of the serpent and God sets this proclamation. Although you have sinned against me, Satan, although you have tempted them to do so, I will put enmity between you and the woman. I will put enmity between you and her, your offspring and her offspring. And one day he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Although Satan would look like he won the day by Jesus being beaten and all of those things leading up to the cross of Calvary and the crushing of Jesus, God's wrath poured out on him. Jesus still crushed the serpent's head when he got out of the grave. He's defeated the grave. So there is hope for us today. There is hope for all who would repent and believe. As we look at this resurrection passage from Matthew's gospel today, and you can begin to turn there as you see it on the screen, Matthew 27 and 28. We'll look at this passage today and we're gonna see for a moment, we're gonna spend the majority of our time in the resurrection account, but sandwiched between that, we see an issue that has been about since Genesis 3. That's the issue of sin. We're gonna see an issue that takes place right before the resurrection and right after the resurrection. But no matter what, although we have that issue of sin, we have the hope of the resurrection because of what Jesus has done. So with that said, I invite you to please stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word. If you don't have a Bible with you, it'll be on the screen. We're gonna begin in Matthew 27, Verse 62, and the word of the Lord says, the next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priest and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, sir, we remember how the imposter said, while he was still alive, after three days, I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people, he is risen from the dead and the last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard of soldiers, go and make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. Chapter 28. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the, woman, to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell the disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. 
And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Verse 11, while they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, Lord, we come before you right now, Lord, on this Resurrection Sunday. So thankful, Lord, that we can gather as the church, that we can gather because of what Jesus has done, defeating sin and death, defeating the grave. He's defeated it, Lord. He is resurrected, and God, we praise you for that. Lord, right now, Lord, as I proclaim your word, Lord, I pray that you would make every distraction fade away. Lord, that you would not have us thinking about the things that we have to do this afternoon or the lunch we're going to have or the events of the week coming, Lord, but right now that we would stop and we would push pause on everything and we would hear from you. God, I pray that you would use me, Lord, that you would speak through me right now. Let this be nothing of myself. And Father, I pray right now, Lord, for each of these brothers and sisters gathered in this room and listening online. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would draw sinners to repentance today. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would call us to do things, Lord, that maybe we've been putting on hold that we know you've been telling us to do. Lord, I pray that we would walk in obedience to you, Lord. I pray that today would maybe be the day of salvation for someone today. I pray, God, that you be glorified in this place. In the strong name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So for our passage today, we're gonna see how the resurrection of Jesus Christ offers an invitation to not fear, to come and to see, and to go and tell. Before we get to the resurrection account, just very, very quickly, I mentioned the fact of we see this sandwiching between the resurrection, two sinful accounts. And kind of an overview, just quickly for the context of where we are, prior to the resurrection, we see fearful sinners, Prior to the resurrection, we see fearful sinners in verses 62 through 66. And in this passage, we see how they're coming about and they're starting to set the plan for the guard at the tomb. They come before Pilate and the chief priests and the Pharisees, they gather before him and they say, sir, we remember how the imposter said while he was still alive after three days, I will rise. And so because he has said this, we want you to order the tomb to be made secure until the third day lest his disciples go and steal him away to tell the people that he's risen from the dead and the last fraud will be worse than the first. See, they have already in that moment, again, after killing Jesus, they were there leading the charge to crucify him throughout Holy Week. They're now before Pilate and they're saying, the imposter said that he would do this, so we need to figure out a game plan to make it not happen. We don't want his disciples to go and to take him. Well, first off, the chief priests obviously didn't have a clue what was going on with the disciples. You have to remember, when Jesus is in the garden, right when he is betrayed and he's arrested, what happens to everybody? Peace out. 
They're fearful. They run. Peter's over here denying Jesus three times. They're gone. Surely they don't have a game plan to go in and, and take up Jesus' body. But they're going to go ahead and they're going to follow through with this plan. They come before Pilate and Pilate says, you've got a guard of soldiers. Go, make it secure as you can. And so they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. Here we have these fearful sinners. And it doesn't tell us exactly what they're thinking, but you have to, you have to wonder. You have to wonder, man, this is the priest. This is the guy that should have recognized the Messiah in front of him. He should have recognized the prophecy fulfilled standing in front of him in Jesus Christ throughout Jesus' ministry. And yet he thought he was a blasphemer and wanted him dead. You have to maybe hope and wonder, maybe there's a glimmer of hope in this priest that, and these Pharisees, maybe they're thinking, well, maybe he really, really truly will resurrect from the grave. Yeah, you can hope that, but that's probably not the case of what they were thinking. They want to just cover up everything that they can. You ever been in a moment whenever you're just so caught up in a lie? Come on, we can be transparent and honest here. You've been in any time in your life, you had a moment where you've just been caught up in a lie. Or you've done something bad and you just want to keep doing everything you can to put a lie on top of a lie just to keep covering it up. Maybe if you keep covering up, it makes you feel better. These people have just led the charge for a sinless man to be murdered. Of course, they want to do everything in their power to keep covering things up. So it looks like if Jesus does truly resurrect from the grave, we can just tell people that the disciples did this. But in, let's just make sure that doesn't even happen. Let's get a guard and let's roll stone in front of it. And we're good. You got to think about Pilate in that moment. Pilate's having this being brought before him, but then also Joseph of Arimathea has already come and, and asked for Jesus' body. That in and of itself is just such a noble thing that Joseph even did, just as a side note. Because when people are crucified, it's the most gruesome form of punishment in the Roman culture. When the person is crucified, their body didn't matter. But Joseph takes his body and prepares it for burial and puts it inside of his own tomb. So prior to the resurrection, we have these fearful sinners trying to do something. And we have to remember what Jesus even told them through his ministry. In Matthew's gospel in chapter 12, 38 through 40, Jesus says this. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him saying, teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Again, you have to think. These guys, they know the Old Testament. Jesus is quoting to them the example of Jonah. Surely they have to put two and two together. Wait a minute. He's saying that Jonah was down in the belly of the fish and he came back. Maybe he's saying, that. no, surely not. Blasphemy. So they go about and they keep going with their plan. We need to make sure that everything goes the way we want it to go. Roll the stone, put the guard. Now the resurrection, the glorious resurrection. Verse one of 28. 
Now after the Sabbath, towards the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. It's the day after the Sabbath. It's Sunday. And Matthew says that Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, which is Mary the James and Joseph and the sons of Zebedee, these women were there on Friday, and now they've returned because they couldn't do anything on the Sabbath day, but they have returned to the tomb to take care of Jesus' body. It's also worth noting just how significant it is that these women would be the, one, the ones to see the resurrected Lord. You have to remember in the ancient world, these women, women didn't have any value. We know when we look at gospel accounts of the feeding of the 5,000, you read that and you're like, man, 5,000 people. We have to also make the note to realize, yeah, but that's 5,000 plus because they're only counting the men in that moment. Jesus is gonna appear to these women. I'm reminded of, of, and you'll hear me refer to this a good bit, I'm reminded though of the Christmas story as well, how Jesus goes, or God goes to these ordinary shepherds, outcasts of society, people that don't have value. And he proclaims after silence that his son is born. Points to the beautiful hope of the resurrection being for all who would repent and believe. Verse two says, behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. Notice there that term as Matthew writes it, he says, and behold. I'm reminded of our Christmas series, Behold, 10 Words of Wonder. This proclamation of behold, to stop, to marvel at that moment. Matthew includes it in there and he says, and behold, there was a great earthquake. You can picture yourself literally there at the tomb. They are there, they've come to prepare, and an earthquake happens. The stone is rolled away, and an angel of the Lord is sitting there upon it. It says in verse three, his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. A beautiful picture, a pure picture. Verse four, and for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. These guards are fearful of what they are witnessing. A great fear had come over them, and it says they were like dead men. They were paralyzed with fear. Have you ever been in a moment like that? Where fear has just overcome you so much that you can't move. There's been moments in my life where I've had such fear that I can't even feel like I'm breathing. There in that moment, these guards have this great fear. But notice what the angel does. The angel doesn't speak to the guards. The angel says there in verse six, or verse five, but the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. The angel tells them there in that moment, do not be afraid. It reminds me again of the Christmas story where God speaks there in that moment. He says, fear not. Fear not. I bring you good news of great joy that'll be for all the people. The angel tells them, fear not, don't be afraid. 
Don't be afraid, dear women. He is not here. The Jesus who you seek that was crucified, the one that you witnessed die on the cross and taken down and buried inside of this here tomb, he's not here. He's risen just as he said. He's not here. He's risen. I love the lyrics of what we just sang in that song. In that moment that you rose, all of heaven held its breath. The stone was moved because the lamb had conquered death. The tomb is empty because Jesus has conquered death. Oh, death, where is your sting? There is no sting of death for any who are in Christ. Because the reality is that when you are in Christ and you take your last breath on this earth, life is not over for you. You have abundant, everlasting life. You are in the presence of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And when the new heavens and new earth are established, when Jesus returns, we will have the great feast. We will be around the throne room crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Because Jesus has conquered death. Fear not. Do not be afraid. For the Jesus whom was crucified, he is not here. He is risen just as he said. Come and see. Come and see the place where he laid. And then go and tell his disciples what has happened. Verse 8. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples they don't stop and ask questions. They don't stop and debate what's just taking place. They go quickly to tell the disciples. The disciples who have finally started to gather back together, hiding in fear because their Lord is dead, their master, their teacher, their friend is dead. And they're hiding out and they're worried and they're fearful of what's coming next. And these women go quickly to tell them, guys, you don't need to be in fear. You don't need to be hiding anymore. The tomb is empty. Jesus has resurrected. He's not there anymore. Verse 9, behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Can you imagine them in that moment? They're running with great joy and great fear because of what just, I mean, they've just seen the angel of the Lord before them. 
and they're running, going quickly to tell the disciples. And Jesus is there before them. And he just offers this friendly, loving greeting. Greetings. And after hearing it, they fall at his feet and they worship him. They fall at his feet and they worship him. The feet, the feet that were nailed to a cross just three days before. They fall to his feet and they worship him. When's the last time that the resurrection story, the truth of the resurrection hit us so hard? That we fell to our feet in worship of him. He's conquered the grave. He's conquered it after dying on the cross, bearing the wrath of God. We say the word wrath of God a lot, but do we understand what that means? It's the punishment. For the sins of all mankind. It's not just the punishment of one person. It's the punishment of the sin of all mankind that was poured out on Jesus. That wrath was reserved for each of us. Yet Jesus took it in our place. These women see Jesus. The resurrected Lord. And they fall to their feet in worship of him. Jesus says to them in verse 10, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. I'm always just so in awe of Jesus' response throughout the gospels of what he says there and in the different accounts. I'm reminded of John's gospel in 2017 where Jesus says to her, do not cling to me for I have not ascended to the Father, but go and tell my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to the Father and to your Father and to my God and your God. Remember how a moment ago I said at the moment of the betrayal, what happens? What happens there in that moment? Everybody pieces out. Peter denies Jesus. Yet Jesus Resurrected, tells the women, go and tell my brothers. Go and tell my brothers that we're going to gather together. Showing that grace, love, kindness, compassion, and mercy to the one that would deny him three times. To the ones that would disband from him there in the garden to go into hiding Loving them enough to still say, go and tell my brothers. What love, what grace, what kindness. Very quickly, the the last context, and then I have some applicable points about the resurrection. The last bit of context of that sin that we talked about at the beginning. The sinful scheme to hush the truth of the resurrection. Verse 11 through 15 talks about how after this takes place, The guards that were there at the tomb. Don't miss that. The guards that were there at the tomb that witnessed what took place. 
the guards go to the city to tell the chief priest all that had taken place. And then after hearing it, the chief priest calls the elders and they assemble and they take counsel and they give a great significant sum of money to the soldiers. Hush money. And it says, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. They first went to Pilate to say, put the stone in front and put a guard there so that the disciples don't come and take his body. God said, ha ha, guess what? He's getting up out of the grave. The angel's coming. The earthquake's going to happen. The stone's going to be rolled away. And I don't care if there's a guard. Jesus is resurrected. This eyewitness testimony tells the high priest who should have seen the Messiah in front of him while Jesus was living tells the high priest, he got up. He resurrected. There was an angel. The angel told these women, we couldn't do anything. We were stopped. We couldn't move. We were paralyzed with fear. High priests, elders, this is real. This happened. One moment, boys. Uh, Guys, apparently this happened. We got to do something to shut them up. And so they give them a large, significant sum of money, a lot of money, to tell them, go and tell everybody else that what you saw is not what really happened. You go and you tell everybody else that his disciples came and they just got really strong and moved the stone, they grabbed his body, and they peaced out. Don't tell anybody about this. Because when the words of this get to Pilate, when the governor, when everybody else hears about it, they'll be pleased to know, okay, fine. Fine. The disciples took his body. Can't do anything else about it. What's really important to note about this is that it's an eyewitness account. Matthew, divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, writes in his book that the eyewitnesses of the resurrection, these guards, went to the priest, told them what literally happened, and the priest, to cover up his lie with their sinful scheme, says, take this money and keep your mouth shut. There's also been no remains found of Jesus. It's because there are no remains that are in a tomb. He's risen. So what of that? What of this glorious resurrection? What does that provide for us? What does it provide for us? Very quickly. It hit me like a ton of bricks when I read the angel saying what he said. The resurrection provides Comfort, fear not. The resurrection of Jesus provides comfort to all of us. 
despite the pain that we feel in this world, despite, despite the fact that we are sinners that sin every single day, we can have comfort regardless of those things, regardless of sickness, regardless of COVID-19, regardless of cancer, regardless of death. If we are in Christ, we have the comfort of knowing that we have no reason to fear because Jesus has defeated the grave and we have the promise of eternal life. We have no reason to fear. Go ahead and move on to the second point. The resurrection provides an invitation. The resurrection provides an invitation. The angel said, after he said, have no fear, fear not, do not be afraid. He says, come and see. Jesus is resurrected. Come and see the place where he lay. It's empty. There's an invitation for each of us. If you are not in Christ, I want you to listen very, click, very closely to me right now. If you're in this room or if you're listening online and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, please listen. There's an invitation offered to you today. Jesus is not in a tomb. He is resurrected from the grave. What happened on Good Friday is good because he paid the price for your sin. His precious blood that was poured out. We've been talking all about Leviticus with all of these sacrifices and all the blood leading up to this Palm Sunday and Easter. He paid the ultimate price of the atonement for the sins of all mankind. Therefore, the invitation to you is Jesus is resurrected and he's opening his family to you. If you would repent and believe. And I know that word, it ain't popular, repent. But the reality is that we are all sinners separated from God. And every person in here that's a Christian will tell you that they still battle sin every single day of their life. And if they don't, they're lying to you. We all still battle sin, but each of us at a different point in our lives, at a given point, God moved in that moment and we realized that we needed to repent of our sin and we confessed with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. There is an invitation provided through the resurrection. And lastly, the resurrection commissions. The resurrection commissions. The angel after saying, don't be afraid. The Jesus that was crucified, he is risen. Come and see the place where he lay. Now go quickly and tell his disciples that he's going to meet them. The resurrection commissions because if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have been given the call by God Almighty to take the gospel and proclaim it to a lost and dying world. Period. The angel in that moment tells them to go and tell. You know, I'm reminded of the fact that in the Christmas account, after the shepherds go and they literally see, after they were told to fear not, they go and they see Jesus born. And then they go quickly, marveling. Wise men, marveling. These women in this moment Hearing to not fear, being told to come and see. And then after they saw it, they go quickly to tell. If you are in Christ, you have been called by God to go and tell it. 
every single person in this room, if you are a Christian, I guarantee you right now, within the next five seconds, you immediately can think of somebody that you love that is lost. You may think of somebody in your family. You may think of somebody that you are a neighbor to. You might think it's, a, you might come to your mind about a friend. It may be somebody that you care for, that you take care of. Whomever it is, that person comes to your mind. And I'm not saying this to guilt you or anything, but I want to ask you, are you praying for that person consistently and are you boldly proclaiming the gospel to them every single moment that God gives you the opportunity? Because a little bit later in Matthew's gospel, and actually, the immediate next thing we see is the Great Commission, where Jesus tells his disciples that he's been given all authority on heaven and earth and to go and tell the world. I'm summarizing go and tell the world what Jesus has done. There is great hope in the resurrection because it tells us that no matter what we face, we can fear not if we are in Christ. Because the invitation is there for any to come and to see what God has done. Come and see Calvary's cross. Come and see the empty tomb. And prayerfully, when you see it, when you taste and see, you will go and tell. That is my prayer for us on this Easter Sunday. So I want to ask you, in just a moment, we're going to partake in the Lord's Supper here today before we sing. And we'll get into the warnings and all those things in a moment, but I want you to stop for a moment and to pray about what you've heard today. Not what you've heard Ryan say, but what you've heard God say prayerfully. That as the Spirit is moving and working in this place, if you're a Christian... What is God telling you to do with this today? Have you grown numb to the resurrection? If you have, repent and ask God to continually make it new for you. And I guarantee you, making it new for you day in and day out means opening his word day in and day out and communing with the Father. Are you telling the people that you love and care for the hope of the resurrection and the promise of eternal life of Christ Jesus our Lord. If you're here today and you're not a Christian or if you're listening online and you're not a Christian, the invitation stands. Jesus isn't going back into a tomb. He's resurrected. He's alive. He's sitting at the right hand of God the Father right now, interceding on behalf of the saints, the people who are Christians. If you feel that something is going on right now in you, that it's the Holy Spirit of God drawing you, take the invitation. For all of us that are in Christ, Take this beautiful hope and proclaim it to a lost and dying world. Because although we who are in Christ have an everlasting hope of eternity 
with Christ Jesus our Lord. Anyone who does not know the Lord, it says in the scripture, this is not Brian's gospel, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you are not in Christ or you know someone that you love and care for that is not in Christ, some 1,000 some odd people just within a mile radius of this building who are not in Christ, the Bible says that they will go spend eternity somewhere. A painful, sad place called hell, separated from God for all eternity, and there is no going back at that point. So during this moment, we're going to pray. And we're going to ask the Lord what he is saying to us. And then I'm going to pray, and then we'll move into our time of the Lord's Supper. So if you would, please bow with me. Father in heaven, Lord, we come before you right now. Lord, thanking you for your word. Thanking you, Lord, for the divinely inspired and errant word of God that gives us this resurrection account. We thank you, Lord, that we have this account that depicts an eyewitness testimony of the resurrection of Christ Jesus, our Lord. And Father, as, as I have preached your word today, Lord, I pray, God, that it has been glorifying to you, Lord. And I pray, Lord, for every person listening right now. Father, for the one that does not know you, Lord, I pray that you would draw hearts to repentance and today would be the day of salvation. Father, if not, Lord, I know that your word does not return void as you tell us in Isaiah. And Lord, that it will go out, and Lord, whether it's planted and watered or, or whatever it may be, Lord, you are in control, and God, you will be glorified. But if today is the day of salvation for someone, Lord, I pray that they would boldly proclaim that Jesus is their Lord, that they would truly look at the fact that their sins separate them from you. And because of what Jesus has done on the cross of Calvary, his defeat of sin and death, taking your wrath as our substitute conquering the grave and resurrecting from it, Lord, that they can repent of their sins and confess with their mouth that truly Jesus Christ is Lord and believe that truly, God, you resurrected Jesus from the grave. Lord, I pray that you would save souls. Lord, for those in here that know you as their Lord and Savior, Father, I pray for each of us, Lord, that we would not grow numb to the glorious resurrection that we would know, Lord, that you have done this. And Lord, that we would go and tell as many people as possible, not worrying or being fearful of what may be asked of us, not being worried or fearful of not being able to have the right words, but Lord, that we would simply be obedient, that we would step out in faith, 
and proclaim the good news of the gospel. Lord, I pray, God, that you would have your way in this place right now. We ask this in the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.